the approach is always, okay, we do our best. We go there with best intentions. We learn and it helps some daddies, but it also helps us develop as individuals. And it is a win-win. And for me, it is important for me personally, but also for my team. I just want to make sure that they enjoy what they're doing and it's for their, it's for their best interest as well. Welcome to the How They Lead podcast, hosted by Benjamin Wade and Ben Stocken. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the world of high performance, showcasing examples of how individuals and teams can reach their full potential. Together, they'll be inviting amazing guests who have defined or represented high performance in their own right. From world record breakers to individuals who have achieved first in their fields, the How They Lead podcast will showcase a diverse range of guests, each with their unique stories and insights to share. So join us as we challenge traditional ways of doing things, explore new ideas, methods and possibilities, and evolve the way people perform. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, How They Lead. As you know, we invite inspirational guests from around the world, past clients, present clients, future clients, or just inspirational leaders, followers, and team players. And we have none other than Anna today, all the way from Romania. Great to have you on, on our podcast. This is going to be just as interesting for me as for our listeners. Uh, we've been in partnership with Amdaris for quite some time now, a good couple of years. I know Ben has worked closely with you but this is the first time we're meeting. So I'm going to take away a lot from this episode as well. Anna, nice to meet you. If we could just hear a little bit about your background. Nice to meet you as well. And uh, thanks for having me, first of all. To be honest, it sounds quite flattering, inspirational leaders. I like to think myself more as an enthusiastic leader, let's say. We'll see if a good one as well, later <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, inspirational sounds good. Um, so you guys are right. I am currently very lucky to lead a team of uh, exceptional people. And as a side thing, I am very passionate about soft skills in general, and actually the way they contribute to individual and collective success more than everything. So yeah, that's it. As for my background, I've worked in market research uh, for quite a few years and then uh, switched to software development. So you've mentioned Amdaris. This is the company where I currently uh, work at. Um, so I've changed, uh, I've changed the field quite a bit um, in my past, but all the jobs that I had were related to project management uh, somehow. So in time, without me realizing it, uh, let's say, um, I found myself uh, receiving this uh, leader label, which is quite um, a heavy burden to wear, I would say. But yeah, that's when the fun part uh, began. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do better and better every day. Amazing. Amazing. One of the things you're going to find out, Ben, is that Anna's far too humble. Uh, she's not going to let me get away with that, but, but she is. Anna, we met two and a half, two and a half years ago, I think, in Kishnau, in, in the capital, capital of Moldova. And it was a pilot leadership program we were, we were running for, for Amdaris that we then rolled out across the business. And I think I've had the pleasure of working with a number of people in, in your team. So can you help, help, help our listeners understand a bit more about how you work? So Amdaris is a, is a bespoke software development business, correct me if I'm wrong. And it'd be good to understand 
like what your role as a as a portfolio director is, the teams you work with, and how you interact with clients as well. Yes, so you're right. This portfolio director role that um, I'm currently holding is one that is quite challenging because it involves the internal uh, side of things, like you mentioned, leading teams or actually leading teams of uh, people who lead other teams as well. And um, it also comes in regards to interacting with clients, so the client-facing part, and um, trying to coach some of our clients as well. So it's working on both sides of the, of the story. Um, I am supporting, uh, as I was saying, a team of delivery leads uh, to make sure that everything that we built for our clients, all the applications that we're helping them with and so on and so forth, everything goes as smooth as possible and um, we focus on value. So we're very keen in um, supporting our clients. Anna, thank you. Thanks so much for for sharing a bit there about, about your role as a portfolio director. Um, what's the what, what's the key difference, I guess, between how you're working internally, leading teams of of delivery leads, but also then working with working with clients? What, what's the difference you find there in terms of how you lead? Well, that's quite a challenging um, thing and an interesting question, actually. Um, so it's not much of a difference because in all honesty we work as partners with our clients so it is not it's not that type of relationship um customer versus someone who is just ordering things and so on so we like to build partnership this is part of our um, core values and we work quite collaboratively with our people so it's um very often uh, that we find ourselves in a position where we don't make a difference between the andaris team and let's say and our clients teams and so on so we just tend to work as one. Um, now, obviously, there are still contractual uh, things uh, in the middle, and then, and there are things that we need to handle internally. And it is sometimes easier because internally you have the people who maybe you've known for a long time and you know better because you, you interact with them more often and you get to know them. While on our client side, very often there are people who we've barely met, let's say, and it takes some time to build a relationship and so on. So it is sometimes more challenging to deal with, with the client side of things, but, and this is purely due to, due to the Amdari's core values, where we try to be, bring everyone together. That's just how we work. And we've obviously got some inside knowledge, been working with you for quite some time now, so we know how important, and you mentioned it there, the values, but we know how important to Amdari's vision values and that culture is in terms of internal effectiveness that the employees, but also the value that's given to the clients. How do you think that culture has impacted the way that you lead, that Amdarian way of working? Well, I I tend to think that it has everything to do with the way I currently lead. I mean, I've been at Amdaris for six years now, so I wouldn't be here for such a long time if I wouldn't uh, find myself in line with the values that the company promotes. Um, so for those who are listening to this and maybe uh, are not aware of Amdaris, we do promote... Um, being purposeful, being being purposeful, ambitious, collaborative, and agile. And it is, for me, it is very interesting to see that what we promote and uh, behind the, all the marketing part of things, right, um, our leaders, our CEOs, and not only, they actually live by these values and we find them internally in our day-to-day life. And that matters a lot for me and not only for me, for my team as well and for everyone who has been here for a long time. Um, it is very refreshing to see that, as I said, it's not just the marketing, it's not just the word. 
is the actions as well. And um, we, we do care about our people. I mean, as I said, part of the core values and so on. And that takes it back to uh, the work that we are undertaking for our clients. I mean, it's common sense, common knowledge that motivated people and people who, who feel rewarded for the work that they uh, undertake, they have a high performance. So, and that shows in our teams. Yeah, I think the the phrase that springs to mind is it's common sense, but it's very often not common practice. So, you know, I think I think that's really important. You know, that the the differentiation there between you made between the marketing part of a business's values, you know, you know, you can walk around a number of businesses' offices or on their desktop backgrounds, they've got their values kind of printed up in vinyl or, you know, up there. But actually the living it day to day is is fundamental and that's the common practice bit so i'd i'd love to learn um this is a good bit of feedback actually from two and a half years ago um when we talked about mission vision and values and how you bring those to life in the way that you lead on a day-to-day basis what have you what's changed in two and a half years since we spent some time together on on our leadership program what's changed in the way that you bring those values to life as a leader well, you're right, Ben, and actually, and I have to admit, um, when we met in Kishino, uh, for me, that was the first, I would say formal, although it wasn't quite formal, but formal training or courses or anything um, in this area, in the leadership area, because up until that moment, it was just based on intuition and what I learned through the years and so on. So that uh, that summit was very helpful for me and not only for my colleagues as well. Um, what changed is that, and I know I was very puzzled when we discussed about this topic because, and I even texted one of our CEOs like, what's our mission? What What is it? Because, okay, I know the values, but what is it? Um, and we had, after this, we had quite an open and honest conversation and it was somehow enlightening to me as it wasn't just buzzwords and Anyway, especially since my English is not that good, it was just open and honest. We want to help people grow and this helps us grow our business, but we take pride when people succeed, even if, and we do have quite a few cases where people succeeded after they moved out from the company. We still take pride because those people grew to that level. This happened in Amdaris and we helped them. And this has impacted me because ever since this is my approach with my team like we we take on a challenge right no one has done this before and especially since our business is growing that fast we have all sorts of new clients different types of businesses that we've never worked on before and it is a challenge the approach is always okay we do our best we go there with best intentions we learn and it helps some that is but it also helps us develop as individuals and it is a win-win and for me, it is important for me personally, but also for my team. I just want to make sure that they enjoy what they're doing and it's for their it's for their best interest as well, right? And everyone has to win. So let's just let's just go along with it and see what, what comes out of it. So yeah, that was that was the uh, one of the changes that that summit triggered uh, in the way we, we lead the teams in Andaris in general. You mentioned something there that I don't know if anyone picked up on what they probably would have done, but you picked up the phone and chatted to the CEO. In most companies, that probably wouldn't happen or no one would ever pick up the phone and just ask the CEO a question. Do you think that is fundamentally why Amdaris operates so well in their field and you can have this 
this dynamic approach and that culture is so powerful because you've got that open relationship at all levels. Yes, and um, since you've met Vlad and Andy, I think you, you you probably know that this is how they are. So when I joined the, when I joined the company, there were about two hundred employees. I remember we had a cake a few months after I joined, where we celebrated the uh, the two hundred number, and now I think we're almost nine hundred. So that's quite a growth. Yet again, I can still talk to the CEOs, and they're uh, just as much open, maybe busier. But still, they will make the time for anyone in the company who has something to say or to ask. So, again, a reflection of of the good culture. Yeah. So I think uh, you know that that transparency and accessibility for for some businesses, and I I can imagine some CEOs, managing directors, owners of businesses, thinking, listening to this or watching this, and thinking, there's no way, there's no way I would have the time or the capacity for that. But you're right. Knowing Andy and Vlad that the way we do. Like fully back that up that actually even even as a, a a partner, like I know that we can pick up the phone and have a, a conversation with them about about you know about, about what's going on in the business and, and 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 they will answer or they will come back to you same day now, what does that do? what does that do in terms of performance and engagement in the business that kind of transparency and accessibility what what do you think that's helped with in the business it helped a lot with the perception that people have so just because they are um, accessible and open to everyone it doesn't mean people reach out that often I think there's this um, misconception that um, if as a CEO you just show yourself available and everyone could reach out everyone will do and you'll have hundreds of messages it's not but for people it's so comforting knowing that if I would want to ask something I could and that's okay and it's perfectly safe and I would get an answer most often they people just don't they still ask their uh, managers or whatever the questions but just knowing that they do this it helps them it helps with trust and again going back to the culture it helps them understand that again these are not just words it is how it is and our best interest is looked after and we're not just uh, let's say numbers um, on a sheet of paper or something like that we matter. And when you first started, if you can remember back, how did they communicate that they were open to that approach? Can you remember what it was? Did they did they brief you or did you go and meet them? Because that's probably something that our listeners would like to know, how they can replicate this back within their businesses. I do think that nowadays they do they do say it out loud, like you can you can reach out. But back in the days, I don't remember being it formal like uh, okay. you guys can text us anytime. It was just their way of being and communicating with us that led to that impression. And then we went along with it and so on. So it just about, it is about their day-to-day style of, I don't know, helping out, getting involved and so on. Obviously it was easier back then. It was less employees and so on. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like, guys, this is the process. This is what you need to do in order to talk to us or stuff like that. It's just the way of being. So yeah. And you're probably best placed to tell us if there's been a change or you've seen a change going from 200 to almost 900, almost 1,000 people now. Have you seen a difference? Because that's pretty difficult to maintain that culture and not have it diluted. I think I would say the only difference, but maybe it's not the only one. But the main one is that nowadays they just don't remember everyone's name. Back in the days, they would know everyone working in the company. But now that's the, that can't happen for sure. But otherwise, 
they managed somehow because now we have we have more people at the C level. They managed somehow to uh, infuse their leadership styles to uh, the new joiners, let's say. So it just is. It's a status quo. We we can't say we can pinpoint it, but it's just the way we work, and everyone knows that in the company. So I I wouldn't know uh, to say how they've done it. I don't know if it was natural for them or maybe it's a smart strategic uh, approach. I think they were supported by an amazing leadership development. <laughs> I've got a hypothesis that I want to test with Yana. Okay, uh, here's my hypothesis. All right, so what you've just said, I, I completely understand. My hypothesis is, and you can say, Ben, this is, this is correct or incorrect. Um, do you, with the teams that you lead, and you said earlier on, so you lead teams, but also you lead people who lead teams. So you're a you're a second generation leader now. Um, do you have that same transparency of communication with the teams that you lead? As in, as in, do that? Do you think that they feel that they can communicate to you at any any time if they needed to? I would say you're correct, and I would say that is the case. Now, just because ever since we had that uh, uh, that uh, leadership summit, um, that's when I started to actively look for formal um, trainings or courses on leadership and try and gain more insight on this topic. I studied quite a lot about being honest as a leader and being uh, transparent, like you mentioned, uh, and what it means. Actually, it doesn't mean sharing everything, just letting it out there. Um, So that is something that I am learning as well, especially since we are going through quite some transformations lately, especially now since we are big, uh, we are part of a bigger company. Uh, so interesting times ahead. Um, so this is something that inside Amdaris we're learning, learning process for us. Yeah, for sure. And I think my point, my point, kind of my point, and my my hypothesis was that actually, you said like you know how how have the the co CEOs been able to translate and replicate that leadership culture down through through the business, even though that kind of your nine hundred to a thousand people. Um, my hypothesis is that actually they do that through you. And, and the other portfolio directors, the other center directors, you know, et cetera. Because I think from, you know, from what I've observed in, in different parts of the business and talking to people who, who follow you, who are in your teams, who have been in our programs, like that's actually what I see. I, I almost see a replication of a, con- a consistency. That's the word I'm looking for. What, what I think what I see is a consistency in approach and behaviors. Is that, is that fair to say? Yes, it is. And that's what I was saying that. I wouldn't know to say how it happened, but it happened. It just yeah. happened. And there's only so much you can do as, a, as an amazing, effective, enthusiastic leader. But obviously, we've taken through a significant number of people through the, the training program now, and they have developed themselves as followers as well. How important do you think that has been, that you now have a team of, of excellent followers and team players? So not just enthusiastic leaders, but also you, you're backed up by that followership. Have you seen a difference there where people are now more active in terms of how they follow? I think they are. And we see that more often, especially since, as I said, quite a few changes, uh, quite a big transformation and so on. And the interesting part um, about followership, because you mentioned it here, um, I first heard about it during our, I know, shame on me, but I did first hear about this concept, let's say, in during our, our leadership summit. And then I, I associated it with change somehow. 
so change you have to lead and then you have to find followers and this is how it works this is the secret recipe and then i was very surprised to hear that not to hear to to see that it was actually not necessarily related to change or a process in itself but um in in the mindset that you have and the things you want to get across and that's something that for sure we are seeing. And I can give you an example here uh, that I am very proud of, let's say, um, because it, it's, it's about my team. We, I am part of a, a team now that handles a very challenging and very complex project, one of our most complex, I would say. And because, again, as I was saying, I have very exceptional professionals part of the team. They have very high expectations in terms of ways of working and doing things by the book as they should be done. And I had this tendency of feeling like um, I fail in front of them because I, 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 um, I don't get the chance to drive things in the direction that they expect we should be going. And I had to deliver some bad news, let's say, the other days. It was just the other days. And I expected, again, disappointment. And I was preparing to deal with that, right? So I have to deliver this news. They will be disappointed. What am I going to say? And so on and so forth. And one of them, which is actually the most demanding of, uh, of them, was like, okay, fine, but there's another way here and we can do it like that. I definitely didn't expect that, like not a chance. And that's when I said, okay, that's followership, not in driving a change or doing something, but in the, in the mindset that we have, right? Because it's the nature of our business. We have to be professionals, but sometimes we also have to fit like a square in a round shape. So we have to bend certain things. And they understood they were like, okay, yeah, fine. Well, we can do it the other way around. And it is indeed my approach in general to try and make things work and be flexible. And this time, very easy, it happened. So we see that more across the business when people understand the big picture, like, okay, it is what it is. We have to make it work. We have to do this. And they just follow. Okay, let's do it. And especially for delivery leads, I think that Summit helped because that's when that's when many of us actually heard about the follower concept. And for me personally, for example, I think I feel more comfortable in the follower position rather than that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is it is refreshing when it happens sometimes. Yes, yeah, I was going to say it's a great example there of, of not only the followership, but also you as a, a leader now being humble enough to appreciate that you're not always the expert. And actually, some people in your team are going to be the experts and allowing them to voice voice their opinions and their ideas. That's that's really impressive to hear. I have to admit, although I know my, my team will be listening to this, I quite often take the follower uh, position because, um, as I said, I feel comfortable in it and because I have to admit, and this is part of the... Uh, transformation that I'm going through as a leader, let's say, after reading Brené Brown's books and so on, I um, I do reckon when they are better than me at certain things, and that's when I let them take the lead. It helps them as well grow, develop, and just prove um, prove what they've they've learned and what they can do. So yes, I uh, I do take the follower position. Yeah, and I think actually. What we've talked about so far in the conversation kind of enables you to make what I'm hearing is, is the right decision, actually, because if we're talking about people who are high skill, which, which I know as a business you have, you have loads of, so you've got, you've got very highly skillful people at the task you need them to achieve. And then from the cultural piece, 
you know, you mentioned clear ways of working. Well, that fosters trust, consistency, transparency, me understanding what my part to play is. Um, the, the, the people operating in the values, people being hired in line with the values. You've got high skill and you've got high will. So for me, when it comes down to kind of situational leadership and overlaying someone's skill and will over that, the only thing really to do, I think, is delegate really, really effectively. Whether you are delegating responsibility to a subject matter expert or or delegating a task, I think when you talk about you following, it sounds to me like actually you're tapping into delegating to, as you say, to enable people's performance. Is, is that what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. So uh, each and every one of them has their own project and which they know best, better than myself, let's say. So I, um, because like you said, we are really good at hiring good talent and because the, the culture fosters the same time of, of behavior somehow, I fully trust the people in my team to take the best decisions. I mean, the, in the best interest of the project as well and in the best interest of the company. Um, and that is um, that is something very refreshing for me, let's say, obviously, because I have very strong people that just make my life easier. What happens when someone breaks that trust? Oh, great question. So if trust is the key and the crux to all of this, what happens if somebody breaks that trust for personally for you? Is that the end of the relationship or do you have to then build it back up? Can they ever build it back up again? Well... To be honest, I don't think I've had cases. I mean, for me, breaking the trust refers to bad intentions. Is this how you would say or not so good intentions? So it is not about failing to do something that's related to your job or stuff like that because you didn't have the knowledge or because you just made a mistake or you you took a risk that turned out it wasn't the best decision and so on. It is about the intention and the good faith of things or lack of good faith. Um, now, I didn't come across that, uh, but when it comes to the easier part, and it's not necessarily breaking the trust, right? It's it's realizing maybe it wasn't, my approach wasn't uh, the best one. And maybe I shouldn't have stepped back like that. And maybe I should offer more guidance. Um, It also comes down to me and my decisions, right? And um, well, we uh, we just have to reassess and then move forward in a way that everyone is comfortable, right? Because I don't want people to feel they failed at something, even though it wasn't their fault. Maybe it was mine and so on. So I think this is very important. But um, as I said, I wouldn't know how I would react if someone would break the trust in that sense that you mentioned, right? Like not have good intentions. It's a good point, actually. It's quite subjective when it comes to defining the trust being broken. Because in a company like Andaris, where they've got guidelines and people can try out new things. And if it goes wrong, it's not that they're going behind someone's back and breaking the trust. It's just, it didn't work out, so let's try something else. Whereas a company that they haven't got the guidelines and it's it's not very innovative and culture-led, then actually there's more opportunity for trust to be broken Yeah. or apparently the trust has been broken. So actually, yeah, the, the way that you've described it, having that culture and that open and honest way of working means that there's less opportunity to break trust. Yeah. And it, it's, it comes back to that common, that common sense bit you said, Anna, didn't you? You say, well, actually, it, it kind of seems like common sense. But coming back again to like how groups turn into teams, you know, we, we talk about ways of working. You just very normally said, we've got really clearly defined ways of working. Um, you don't know this, maybe, because you've been in Amdaras for, for six years. But 
there are a large number of businesses that we we work with who when we ask them how do you make decisions who makes decisions how do you give feedback you know what's acceptable behavior and what's unacceptable behavior in this team or in this group they don't have the answer to that question so I think that then gives space for there to be distrust mm. because people don't know how to act in that environment. I think that's something that that it, you know that, that you and Amdaris and, and in your teams you do you do well to create those ways of work. Yes, yeah, so we we do well, uh, but to be honest, it wasn't an easy process along the way because, as I said, we were way smaller six years ago since I joined the when I joined the company, right? And this process has been in constant transformation because we grew, we had to adapt. We grew again, we had to adapt and so on and so forth. So it isn't an easy, it, it isn't that easy to set ways of working and process. It's definitely, um, it definitely isn't. And I think for Amdaris, this is something that um, it is appreciated by the people because we are open uh, about it. Like we have these ways of working, we have this. It's not set in stone. It's, it might not be like this in six months, but you are welcome to feed back, to come with suggestions, and they are taken into account, right? So we constantly adapt based on the feedback that we receive from the people, and everyone can contribute with ideas on how we can make it better. And we are certain, and we set expectations when we hire someone, it might change. It is how it is now. It is not perfect. It definitely it's never perfect, right? Because you, you bump into something and then, oh, this doesn't work. I have to adapt and so on. It is not perfect. It worked so far. It's not perfect. We're working on it. You're welcome to join if you want. Yeah, and, and, and it's not supposed to be easy, is it? Like, I, I know that maybe what I, the way that I summed it up before, before you answered, you kind of you know, shared your perspective is maybe I made it sound too easy. I know, I know, I know it's not easy and, and the iteration process you've gone through as a business and you rightly said it's an ongoing thing. And I think one of the most important things is when you bring new people into the team or when, you know, for you, for you as a business, you're forming new project teams or resources have to slide across. It's then, as you said, it's about making sure that that person feels like, see, feels valued, that actually they can have some input into that. And this is the way we're operating for this period of time. But as you said, like, you know, things might change because client requests might change or resourcing might change or, or something else. So you're going through that continuous process of, of people managing their own behaviors through change, which I think is a, is a really interesting, it's an interesting skill set for people to develop and for leaders to help people develop that actually things are like, things are the way they are today, but they could change at any minute. So do the best work you can right now with these parameters, <laughs> but the next time we're on a call, like just be aware, like we may go left. Yeah, exactly. So you described it very well then. Over your, your, this sort of transformative journey that you've been on and you've, you've done some self-discovery and self-learning and you've obviously been on our program as well. Is there one thing that sticks in your mind that has made the biggest impact either to you personally or your team as you've grown that you can think back on or reflect on? Because you've covered quite a few topics there and they all seem to have had a, a huge impact on how you lead and how your team operates. But is there something that you can think of that had the biggest impact that you've learned or implemented? Well, there is something that I can think of, uh, although it's not very interesting or it doesn't come with a bang or anything. Okay. Hang on a second. Let's cut. Let's cut. No, don't cut it. It's going to be interesting, Anna. It's going to be interesting. Go on, off you go. 
so it it's because uh, I, I was mentioning that I'm going through a transformation as how I lead. I'm trying to improve it. And uh, it's the first time that I'm making quite a change because I used to, because I didn't have formal training, let's say, wasn't prepared for it, right? Um, I always used like authenticity and care. It, it, it came natural for me. Um, and this was my my style, let's say. The, the fingerprint that, uh, that that I put on my teams. But at some point, and this is also related to the fact that our company is growing and things change so fast, I realized that this is not going to help me grow. It's not going to help my teams either. We might get stuck at some point. I felt like we are stuck and we can't afford that. We have to keep up with the changes. So everything that I'm doing lately and that I'm trying to work on is related to courage, I, I used to lack this. I used to feel safe in my comfort zone where I just do what I know. I lead how I know and I'm doing the things that I'm comfortable with. And now I'm trying to be more courageous and to send that message to my teams as well and help them be more courageous as well. I realized that's the only way you can actually move forward at the speed that our company needs us to move forward at this point. So... We had quite a few conversations lately on this topic, and we're trying together to to embrace the fact that this courage doesn't come with the fact that, okay, we just have to push ourselves through this and it's going to be fine. We have to accept that there's going to be failures. For myself, I I used to be very afraid of failure, right? So imposter syndrome all the way, and then being afraid of failure, cannot afford this, especially as a leader, definitely. Definitely a big no, but now I think it's time for me to yeah, embrace this. And as I said, I'm encouraging my, my team to do the same, right? So let's, let's try new things. Some will work, some won't, but we just have to accept it and prepare for it. And it is what it is. We just learn from it and we move on. Um, and this courage part comes hand in hand with the feedback because you've mentioned, so you've asked something that triggered something that, uh, yes, sparked a, a thing to, to lead to change. We discussed a lot lately in our company about feedback and how people perceive it, um, giving feedback and taking, accepting feedback as well. So we realized we're maybe too nice. <laughs> and uh, in this, in our way of being soft and kind and nice and don't want to hurt anyone's feeling and so on, we're not actually helping each other because we look at the feedback and it is not constructive. It doesn't help me grow. I, for sure, I can't do everything right. No one does everything right. And we need to encourage people to be more courageous again when, when sharing feedback and think of the best interest of the other person. Like, I want to help you. How can I help you? I'll tell you what you can do better maybe. And that's, that will help the team. It will help the project and it will help you uh, on your career path and so on. So this is also something that we're working at, um, working on. And we realized that we have to do it by setting an example. So I, this is what I'm trying to do now, encouraging my team to give me feedback. I am courageous now to provide constructive feedback without the fear of hurting someone's feeling. Although, to be honest, just they're great anyway. So it wouldn't be something that would hurt uh, someone's feeling. It would be just small things. But it, it's very challenging, you know, when you have a very high performance person, but still there are some things that they can improve, like all of us, of course. 
I was always afraid that those comments would just uh, lower their self-esteem and would be like, wait a minute, but I'm doing these things and I'm doing them awesome. And you're telling me about this small one. It likes, it like, it's like it's ruining everything. And I don't want it to be like that. I definitely don't because they are awesome people. So it's this part that I'm trying to work on and set an example and ask them to work on and do the same with their teams and so on. But it's not easy. It's such a simple word, feedback. Oh, you do it. You just tell someone what they can improve and that's it. No, I love that. And it's often the bit that people don't have time or capacity for. You, you finish a project and you're excited about the next one. Yeah, that feedback, that can wait. Inevitably, it never gets covered or it gets forgotten, stored away somewhere. Yeah. But it's probably the, the smallest little change you can make with the, almost the biggest impact as well. As you say, it takes a high point team to a, a much higher level with some tiny little tweaks, just asking how feedback likes to be received or given, as you've alluded to, and approaching it head on, being courageous enough to have those challenging conversations. Because everyone's, if everyone's just nice on the team, you just plateau, don't you? You do a good job, but you don't overperform. So yeah, I, I really like that. I can relate to that a lot. Yeah, and I think that there's, there's, there's something I'd add to that, which is um, if you are, also if, if you are not, don't, don't feel you have the courage or the tools to give, direct constructive feedback that's going to really help the person's performance and therefore help their career but and you don't say it as a leader or as a teammate then I think it can eat up at you and you can build resentment for that person because you know there might be one thing that if you gave that feedback in the moment that was right it would help them but if you don't say it and then something else layers on top of it and something else layers on top of it and something else layers on top of it. And then you have a bad day, you know, you have a disagreement with your partner at home and you come in and they do one more thing that then you end up like shouting at them. Are you teaming me up for some... Uh, some We're going to have a feedback okay. conversation <laughs> later, yeah. Um, then you have, then you can, you can just snap at them for, for no reason whatsoever. And actually the feedback you then give them could be really poor because it's actually not about the small thing they did on that piece of work. It's about five months worth of stuff that you're like, well, I let that go. I let that go. I let that go. But maybe you just let it go because you were not being, didn't have the courage or the tools to be able to give that feedback. So I think that there's a, there's a downside as well to, to not giving that feedback in the moment, as well as enable, you don't enable the other person's performance. You can damage your own kind of mental health, really. Yeah, in the moment or in a timely, timely manner. Yeah, depending yeah. what it what it is. Yeah. So you're right, Ben. Uh, to be honest, one of the things is not a problem that we have in Amdari. So ever since I've been here, no one has shouted at anyone. That's 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 a problem we don't have at least. Um, but it is in that indeed it piles up. It it damages the project, and then we're all in it together. Although maybe at some point, just one person could have improved things and so on, and it builds resentment, just like you said, and a whole other series of sessions and meetings that everyone doesn't want to be part of and so on and so forth. So it is indeed important and it all links back to courage. And it's also not, not only about the courage to say, to do it, to whatever. It's also about the courage to accept that not everyone will think of you like the great boss that they have and the awesome leader and so on. So you, you have to take it on you and you have to be prepared to not be the pink fluffy leader that you would like to be and everyone would think highly of you. You just have to accept it. It's for the best of everyone, what it is, what it is. And it takes courage for that, especially for me, in my instance. Um, 
I, I used to be a people pleaser and I, uh, as I said, I was afraid of failure and all sorts of labels. So it takes a lot of courage for me to, to accept that and to, yeah, to do it. It sounds like you've taken on board so many different techniques and tools and frameworks from everyone around you and, and you've grown massively, especially since Ben first met you. And you're still on, as you say, that personal self-discovery and transformational journey, as it were. What, what's next for you? And I think we're just teeing up our sort of West Peak question in a minute about a, a false summit, which Ben can introduce, but what's next for you? So you, you've reached where you are at the moment. You're this enthusiastic leader. What's, what's your goal next? What have you set your sights on? So it's nothing uh, precise, let's say, because um, as I said, we're going through a transformation at Amdari, so we are not quite sure yet what what will come our way in the future. But um, there's something that I've started doing and that I also wanted to talk about it actually at the end of this podcast, um, getting more involved and helping out the community that I'm part of. So besides the politics part that we're not going to talk about here, there are things that I'm getting involved to help the community that I'm part of, the city that I like, live in and so on and so forth. So there are all sorts of companies that are basically working with the government and so on for the good function of the city. Um, and that's where I, I've started recently, I've started getting involved and I get a sense of self, um, how should I say, self-fulfillment, is this how you say it? It is awesome to give back and just um, it, because I feel like I've reached that maturity and I am, I can finally say that I am good at what I'm doing and I want to share that and I want to, I want to help others. And there's a need of such people, right? Because we keep complaining about, so I don't know how is it for you guys, but in Romania, we keep complaining about things not going how we would like them to and so on and so forth. But no one gets involved, right? So there's the need of people to give back to the community and make this a better place that we all want to live in and not move to the UK, uh, which is more difficult now with Brexit. But anyway, so um, yeah, I think this is also something that I'm looking forward to. It is very exciting. It is very challenging because it's, it's quite different from what I'm doing. Uh, but it is about leadership in the end. Um, and uh, it's about helping up, uh, helping out with what you can and what you know, because there's need of help in all areas. So just um, making a contribution there um, helps. Great, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Anna. I think um, we, may, we may have covered this West Peak question in, in some of your answers, but I'd love you if you can kind of give me one specific moment in time. So West Peak is named because uh, there's, there's a, a number of mountains that have false summits and you, know, you, you walk up to what you think is the summit and you get there and you realize that there's another summit kind of you know, much further on. It's the same with, with skill acquisition and learning new new things that people learn a bit, they go to apply it and go, wow, there's there's so much more there's to learn. More. There's a whole lot more to learn. I think you described a bit of that, your journey, but I'd love if you could share with our, our viewers and listeners one moment for you where you, you can recollect and you went, oh, actually, there's a whole lot more to learn. Well, I have, I have an example, a perfect example for this, Ben, actually. So, uh, as you know, I used to be a delivery lead, which means that I used to work with um, technical people and lead technical teams, myself not being technical at all. So, um, and I used to think it is very, very difficult to do so, like leading someone whose job you know nothing about, like learning to trust them, to trust their decisions, to trust their feedback, their input, whatever, the way they run the project and so on. 
it's like I don't know watching someone build your house while well, you know nothing about concrete and whatever else you know you just have to trust that they're doing a good job and it is what it is so I struggled with this for years and whenever someone would ask me what's the most difficult part of my job I would say this I have to leave people whose jobs I have no idea about and then uh, a couple of years ago, I got promoted to this role, the portfolio director role. Um, and I was like, yes, finally, I'm going to lead the de- de- delivery leads. I know their job. I've done it for years. Easy peasy. No, <laughs> that was my worst pick. Like, God, it is more difficult. I, I never, yeah, I, I never expected, definitely didn't expect it. I saw it. I saw it as a relief at that point in time. And then a few months after I was like, hold on a minute. This is a whole new story here. It is very difficult because um, sometimes I just, first of all, sometimes I just felt like a parent, you know, who who uh, took ballet lessons when they were young and they think this is the way to happiness and everyone has to take ballet lessons because this is how things need to happen so that everyone is happy. While, yeah, so setting expectations and what worked for me, I realized it doesn't work for everyone else and I have to learn to accept that and work with that. And then obviously there's the micromanaging part, you know, I know how I used to do things. I know how I like things to be done. And now people have other ideas and it was quite difficult to just take my hands off and just accept it. Again, there are other ways people might want to do it the other way around and so on. And also, I think the most difficult part was to accept that there are people in my team who are better at some certain things than I am. Again, initially, I thought I have to be the best of everything. These people look up to me. And if I don't know anything, they will say, what is this? Why is why is Anna my leader? And she has no idea about this thing and so on, or knows less than I do. Um, it was very difficult for me to handle all this at the beginning. But then I learned to accept them. It's still not easy. But yes, that was definitely an aha moment and quite a change for me and quite a challenge. It's a great, great answer. Yeah, it's, it's great to hear. Yeah, and I think that... Well, have you got anything to say? Because I think that caps off a, a pretty rich episode. We've covered resilience, humility, uh, trust, teamwork, fellowship, self-leadership. Courage. Courage. Um, I think we've covered everything. I think, yeah. yeah. That has been a, a pretty impressive insight into your growth journey and Daris as well. And I think businesses from all different sizes, different levels of, of scaling can really take away something from everything you've said today. So thank you very much for, for joining us. And I appreciate your time on this as well. Thanks for joining us on the How They Lead podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something new about the world of high performance. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And don't forget to subscribe to the How They Lead podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep pushing yourself to reach your full potential and evolve the way you perform. And remember, just because something has always been done a certain way doesn't mean doing it a new way can't work. Hold up. 